So is it possible that um, we are to live in two worlds simultaneously? Is it possible that we are actually living or should be living in two worlds simultaneously? And when Jesus said we're to be in the world but not of it, what is he telling us? Is he suggesting that there's another world that we should be living in while we're living in this world? In the world but not of it. And then today I'll be talking about um, a life-altering ex experience that Selena Gomez had and how we can learn from that experience as it relates to this living in two worlds. Well, we're going to look at uh, John chapter 18. We're coming to the conclusion. We've packed like three weeks of Jesus, like last part of his life on earth. And now here is Jesus um, in front of Pilate, the governor. And he is, they've brought him there because they want Jesus to be crucified. So he's now arrested. He's in custody. And Pilate asks this very important question to Jesus. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to John chapter 18. We had the first part um, last week, and today we are on the second part before we get into Palm Sunday next week. But John chapter 18, starting in verse 33. So Pilate entered his headquarters again and called Jesus and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, Do you say this on your own accord, or did others say it uh, say it to you about me. Pilate answered, I, Am I a Jew? Your own nation and the chief priests have declared, uh, delivered over to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. Think about this for a second. My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants as disciples would have been fighting that I, might not, uh, that I might not be delivered over to the Jews, but my kingdom is not from this world. Then Pilate said to him, so you are a king. Jesus answered, you say that I am a king. For this purpose I was born, and for this purpose I have come into the world to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of this truth listens to my voice. Pilate said to him, what is the truth? After he had said this, he went back outside to the Jews and told them, I find no guilt in him, but you have a custom that I should release one man for you at this Passover. So do what, he says, so do you want me to release to you the king of the Jews? They cried out again, not this man, but Barabbas. Now Barabbas was a robber. So the point is that Jesus begins to talk about his kingdom and that he realizes he's not from this world, but he's in the world, but he's actually living from another place of another world called the kingdom of God. I, when I was growing up, I don't know if it's about you, but when you hear kingdom of heaven or kingdom of God, where do you think of? Do you, I always thought it was heaven, but as I've walked with the Lord for many years now, and as I've come to understand I believe what he's saying is the kingdom of heaven is an actual place that we can, we can live in here and now. That when we come to Christ, we don't actually have to wait to experience heaven when we die. That heaven starts the moment that we come to Christ. I often think of these, this, this picture of heaven and earth combining and these two worlds that we maybe should be living in. 
I'm going to make a case that we are going to be living in these two worlds, in the world but not of the world, and so what's this other world we're to be living in? Is it's, remember Jacob had a dream uh, when Jacob was fighting with his brother Esau, he had a dream and he saw this ladder going from heaven to earth and angels ascending and descending in his dream. And, and he woke up and was so shaken by this God-given dream that, um, that he changed the name of that location to um, Bethel. And it was so profound, but it was in a dream. But I, I believe that's what we begin to start seeing is there's a spiritual world that is very real and that God is asking us to say, be in this world. So, so live in this world, but there's another world that I actually want you to be living for. So in the world, but not of the world. And here's the challenge, though. This, this world is continually wanting to influence us. Remember that, that the, the ruler of this world is Satan, and his job is to kill, steal, and destroy. John 10.10, 10, right? But Jesus says, I've come to give you life and life in the full. And here already we are looking at these two worlds, these two kingdoms. If I were to title this message, I'd probably title it the, the tale of two kings and their kingdoms. Because Satan is a king or a ruler of this world. And Jesus, who is the king of kings, so he usurps the authority of Satan, is the ruler of all the universe. But he basically is saying, I, my kingdom is the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven that he is encouraging us to live and be a part of. Now, some of you might just be thinking, hey, when I became a Christian, I thought it was just about living a different way. Like maybe there's some different rules I need to follow. Maybe there's a different way um, that I need to be living. And it was, it was maybe more moral based. And the reality is, is Jesus saying, well, that's, that's only partial. That's only half of it. Now we know what sin does. Sin separates us from God because it creates this angst inside of us. And then we want to like the Garden of Eden when when Adam and Eve sinned, they hid from the Lord. It creates shame. So sin creates shame. We want to hide. And Jesus said, you know, I've come to take care of your sin on the cross. But the enemy wants to play on us and play with us to wants to kill, steal, and destroy. So he, he plays on, uh, this is how his tactics are. He plays on our hurts, our past hurts. He lures you away with pleasure and I would even just say friendships. I think sometimes uh, that's a great tactic. If he can't get you in like these overt sinful things, he's going to be like, all right, how do I put some friendships in the path that actually start to influence you in a negative way? Or maybe he uh, traps your mind and warps your mind with, with the things in the media because we think things get normalized the more we watch it and the more we see it. And then we begin to say, oh, this is just the way that our world is. This is the way that we have to live. And then your mind, he traps you in your mind. And then, or maybe it's just like, hey, you know what? Maybe I just need to start living like everybody else. You know, it's like, this is what we're supposed to do, where I'm supposed to go get a, get a great education. I'm supposed to get a good job. I'm supposed to buy a house. I'm supposed to get a retirement account. And I'm supposed to do all the things that our Western culture is asking us to do. But, but there's a scripture that says, friendship with the world is enmity with God. 
So it's kind of hard because if we're just trying to live a moral life, a good life, and a, and a better life, not like, hey, our wild, crazy self in the world, Jesus says he came not to, well, he said he came to fulfill the law. He said not to abolish the law. See, see, the religious people only had kind of almost half the equation. They had the moral equation. But Jesus was saying that you're still not getting the kingdom of God principle. You're still not getting the kingdom of God because you're still trying to establish a kingdom on earth when his kingdom of heaven is a different kind of kingdom. So they're still trying to be in the world and then just lay a bunch of rules in the world. And, and we can never accomplish that because what religion does, that's religion, by the way. If you take religious ideas and you take religious concepts and you place them in the world, all religion does is really just tries to control people. And it doesn't bring life. And so, so the enemy will even use good things like, hey, we want, to be, we want to serve God. We want to be moral people and we want to follow the rules. And then it gets into control and then it gets into shame because now we're pointing figures of, of the people who are not following the rules and, and the enemy still wins. So we have to begin to understand it's like, so when Jesus says, I came to fulfill the law, it means he's, he's helping us to understand this kingdom of God, this other world that we should be living in. There's two worlds and there's two kings and there's two kingdoms. And, and yet we have to learn how to exist in this world, that we actually inhabit this world, but we're living for a different world. If you're to write anything down, that's kind of a big idea for you to write down, is like that we are to inhabit this world. He says, be in the world. He didn't want to take us out of the world, right? We're to be salt and light in this world. So he wants us to be inhabiting this world, but he wants us to live for a different world. Yeah. He wants us to live for a different kingdom. The reason why is because he's realizing in this other kingdom is where the fulfillment of what Christ came, what Jesus came for this earth. And, and this is where in his presence, there's fullness of joy. In his presence, there's fullness of joy. When we come into a relationship with Jesus that gives us a relationship with our Father in heaven, now all of a sudden we have these things that the Spirit of God gives us. There's joy. There's peace. There's, I keep talking about the fruit of the Spirit because it's, it's pretty that simple. It's like when you realize that you are filled with His Spirit, that the outcome of it is the love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. I think I always forget one there. Faithfulness. There we go. And um, I must have got that wrong when I was a kid or something. Like I, I memorized at one point in time. It's like my mom was always like, Son, there's always faithfulness. And it's like, why didn't I get that one? I don't know. Um, but anyways, that result of that, and then you're saying, well, well what does is, what is that look like, right? What does that kingdom of God look like? And it's to be lived here and now. And it says, I think it's summed up in, in this peace that it creates. Like, it, it's very tangible. It's filled with peace, and it's filled with joy. It's filled with laughter. It's filled with contentment. See, the world will tell us we need to strive for things, right? We have to somehow make something of our, depending on what your upbringing is or what kind of your own defaults of your own uh, shortcomings or your own hurts or pains or like either you're going to go super successful, I'm going to be a doctor, I'm going to be, you know, all this education, I'm going to have this big business or the other side of it is like I'm a worm, I'm nothing, so I'll, I'll prove to everybody that I'm a nothing and I'll live, you know, a nothing life. 
But, but the enemy will play on either one of those narratives for you or any narrative. And, and what he does is he actually tries to create you to be a zoo animal. Think about this for a moment. What is a zoo animal? The zoo animal, the, the zookeeper, makes a pretend habitat and just gives a big enough area to somewhat keep the, um, the animal somehow so it doesn't go out of its mind. But the reality is there's a cage around there trapped. They're not getting out. They don't have freedom. And the enemy will give you a taste of just like, just uh, I'll keep you in a place just so you don't go completely out of your mind. Well, some of us go out of our mind with the enemy, but I'll just keep you just contained enough. And so you are satisfied by the trickery of the world, satisfied by what the world has that you don't understand that should be another place to live called the kingdom of God, which is the fullness of contentment and peace, which is the fullness of joy. This, this world cannot produce, it's incapable of producing. But what the trick of the enemy does is he says, I want to make you a zoo animal, meaning I have you trapped and I have a cage around you, a fence around you. You're not free, but you feel like you are free. Go ahead, you can do that. Go ahead, you can do that. Meanwhile, as you feel like you have that freedom, the fence just keeps getting closer and closer and closer to you, and he ensnares you and entraps you. But Jesus comes along. Here's the beautiful thing of it. Jesus comes along and he says, I have come to proclaim liberty to the captives. I've come to proclaim liberty to the captives. So in other words, oh, zoo animal, you're free. Uh, so I'm sorry that you think you're a zoo animal. <laughs> but, but I knew, what you're, you know what I'm trying to say. You are people. I get it. Um, not zoo animals. You're people. By the way, if you were an animal, what would you be? <laughs> There's the rabbit trail for you. <laughs> I'm going on a rabbit trail. I just wanted you to think for a moment, what kind of animal would you be? How many people would be a bear? Just out of curiosity. Oh yeah, well I got a bear. How many people would lion? Lion. Elephant? There we are. There's the elephant. All right. How about a giraffe? Anybody? Anybody? I don't think anybody wants to be a giraffe. Anybody want to be a giraffe? I'm really going on a side trail now here. But just a couple more. I always want. I always want who? Bird. I did want, I want to be an eagle. Eagle would be like amazing. Who, who, maybe a zebra? Monkeys? We got a bunch of monkeys. No, <laughs> all right. All right, side trail. All right. The point is that Jesus wants to take down the chains, cut down the walls, and set people free. But, but it's just not freedom to now go roam around in the world again to get ensnared again. It's freedom to live in a different kingdom for a different king. And so, so what you have to do is you have to begin to set your minds on the things above, right? The scripture tells us. Because when we do, it produces something inside of us. We're living for a different king, different kingdom. I don't have time today, but if you want to look up in Matthew chapter 13... All of the kingdom of God is like, kingdom of God is like a mustard seed, kingdom of God is like a net, kingdom of God is like a pearl, kingdom of God is like a um, treasure in a field, right? And so there's a lot of these, these things that God begins to, those are Jesus' words, these parables of what the kingdom of God 
is like. And, and you begin to understand that it doesn't take a lot of, actually it takes a, a faith of a mustard seed to begin to understand what it means that you're living for a different king, different kingdom. So I think, let me tell you a, a little bit about, now that we're on nice little rabbit trails, let me tell you about Selena Gomez um, and what we can learn from her life. Um, she had um, a new documentary come out called uh, My Mind and Me. Now, mind you, it's restricted, so young people, check with mom and dad if you're not 18. Um, uh, there's a few F-bombs in it, but I just want to... The, the interesting thing about that documentary, though, was, was the dichotomy of these two worlds. And I felt like it really played a picture of what it looks like. So Selena, who somebody was extremely talented, a Disney star, and came up through the ranks, extremely talented, and somebody figured out that they can make money on her. And they played to her, her need to be um, accepted and liked, and she became famous. But as she, the more fame that she got, the more that the, she felt like a caged animal. They later diagnosed her, uh, why it's called my mind to me, is because diagnosed her with bipolar. And I think the bipolar happens is when we are trying to, God puts something in each human being and this longing to be with Jesus, to be with our Father in heaven, and to live in the kingdom of God. And what happens is, is when we try to live in this kingdom of this world, and yet there's something inside of us that says there's got to be more, there's got to be more, that it makes us kind of bipolar because it's like the world is promising all of these things that are going to make you happy and content, fame, riches, and notoriety, and success, and yet it never, never satisfies. It, it keeps actually making us go mental because the more we think we should get, the more it leaves us empty, and then we just keep this hamster wheel, and, and then it makes us feel bipolar. Now, I do know there's a medical, so I know the medical people are going to be like, there you know there is actual <laughs> scientific evidence of that. I, I'm just kind of making an analogy. But, but in the middle of her kind of collapsing, like, I was like, she's off tour, she can't do it. She goes to Africa, and she um, serves with a girl's school, and she just hangs out with some, um, some girls in Kenya. And she comes back from that experience and said, you know, I, I feel like that's where I came alive. Came alive. And the person in the documentary, one of her good friends, says, but that's not reality. That's not reality. This is your reality. On a stage, performing, that's your reality. And, and yet something inside of her was like, but, but that just, the stage just made me so broken. But I, but I felt so alive as, as I'm caring, I'm, I'm just with these people who have so much less than I do and we can sit and laugh and disconnect. Reminds me of a, a scripture in Luke chapter 6. It says, blessed are, the, this is the Beatitudes, blessed are the poor, yours is the kingdom of God. Talking about kingdom of God. Why is it now? Some people would say it's poor in spirit, but, but the, the Luke translation is poor. And I believe it is poor. In other words, they don't have all the, the wealth that the world has. Why are the poor blessed and, and that they experience the kingdom of God? 
because they realize that they're not chasing things that they can't get. The poor realize that they're not going to be a famous person on stage. The poor realize that they're not going to have all this opportunity for education, wealth, business, success, notoriety, fame. The poor people don't realize that. So what the poor people do, they, they seek God and they seek friendship. And, and they pursue the things that actually give them life. I know when I've traveled overseas in different places of the world, and Otter and I lived in Central America for a little while, I came back just loving, loving, loving people who I saw that were poor because they, I felt like they had so much more than I had. Not material, but life. They, they had something inside of them that I didn't have, and I longed for it. And what it was is they learned to live in this kingdom of God. See, the, the, when the scripture tells us it's much harder for a wealthy man, the rich, to enter the kingdom of heaven, as is like a camel to go through the eye of a needle. And, and that analogy is, is like it's super hard. And by the way, we're all rich here. We're all rich. And, and why is it? It's because we're so distracted with our TVs, our devices, with our, with our jobs, with our retirement accounts, with our houses, with our property, with our things. And that distraction begins this, this thing of like, makes us almost feel bipolar. Because the very things that we're striving for are the very things that don't give us life. And Jesus says, don't be consumed by this world. But you can inhabit the world, but do not be in the world. Inhabit the world, but, but live for the kingdom of God. So today, what does that look like? Real, real quick in closing. It looks really practical because it looks like, yes, coming to church on Sunday, that's phenomenal. But that's not really it. Church really happens when you're in small groups. Church happens when you are in community of people who are doing life together that point your attention to Jesus. Not just Christian people that like will just go out and have a good time. There's nothing wrong with that. But, but the intentionality was like, we realize that how do we be encouraged to live in this kingdom of God? In that we're gathering together to encourage one another, build each other up, and point our attention. That's why I loved what Surya was saying. Sometimes we can just kind of like go negative on things. And, and really, let's, let's encourage one another into who Jesus is and who God is and the good works that he's calling us to. Number one. Number two. I love this idea, like our life on mission, our teens going to Poland. But each one of us, we don't have to go to Poland to live life on mission. We can, we can start by, by giving ourselves into service. You can serve your church communities. You can serve your community, your community community. I think money plays a part in this too. I think why, why the Lord asks us to tithe is because he realizes that when we do, we have to trust him with a portion of our money. It all belongs to him anyways. He's only asking us to give 10% back to him. He says, you can keep 90% of what I've already given you. <laughs> I just want 10% back. But he doesn't, because he doesn't need our money. He does it because he wants our heart. And when he wants us to live a way of trust, now we're living into the kingdom of God ways. Not the kingdom of this world. The kingdom of this world is, says, you know what? I need to look after me. And I need to pay my bills. And maybe occasionally I'll throw a few bucks into this organization, or this church or whatever. Maybe. But then, but then it says, like, no, you're just living the way the world lives. We have small groups coming up in, um, well, sign-ups will be happening after Easter. I really want to encourage you guys, find a life group to be a part of. 
I think it's critical to learning how to live in this kingdom of God, to, to be in the world but not of the world. I believe it's really important to be, live a life of service. If you go through our rooted group, you'll realize that that's one thing they really teach us is understanding how to live a life of service and why God's purposed that for us. And then lastly, I would encourage you to be on this journey of, of generosity. Generosity helps us to keep our, our, our minds, not to be generous for being a generous person, but our attention on being generous in response to what God has been doing in our life. Jesus says that he's not of this world and he's asking us to not be so familiar with this world that we look more like the world than we look like him. He wants us to live for the kingdom of God. He wants us to live in two worlds, inhabiting one world so our, our salt and light, our light can shine and our saltiness can, can add flavor to those around. And, and yet he wants us to experience the fullness of life by learning how to live in this kingdom of God that's here and now. You don't have to wait to die to experience the kingdom of God. But it's a place where you'll find fully alive, fully you, fully at peace, full of contentment. The striving has ceased. The striving has ceased. And you can just live at peace with God and with others, fully alive in Jesus Christ. Thank you so much for watching us online. We're so glad that you joined us. We trust that Jesus has spoken to your heart and you've been challenged by his word. If you'd like to know more information about Grace Capital Church, please visit us at gccnh.com. We'll see you next time.